Welcome back to Nazrani's in the City. I'm Josh. I'm Abi. And we are joined by our dear friend, father, and chaplain, Father Rajiv Philip. Good to have you back, Father. It's good to be with you guys. And we are joined uh, with a special guest appearance. This is, uh, we, you've heard his name mentioned a number of times before this podcast. His name is Suraj Sajos. Hello, hello. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here. Suraj, it's good to, good to have you on. I'm not going to lie, it's a little stressed right now. That's okay. The That's famous okay. podcast, Nazarani's in the City. Oh, I don't know about famous, but yeah, we're, it's good. It's good. Once again, audience, we thank you for taking the time to listen. Uh, today, today we got something special for you. We actually, I don't know, we, we're going to go over a document, I guess. And uh, maybe it'd be good, Suraj, just to kind of get a background on you and then how you came to, because it's, it's, it was Suraj who showed us this document. The document is called The Courage to Be Ourselves by uh, Archbishop Joseph Talwin. Towel. Towel. Towel, yeah. Yes, yes. Yes, yeah, so, so I, mean, I think a little background on myself, born and raised Sarah Marlboro Catholic, and my parents have always, you know, wanted to be around a Sarah Marlboro church, so, you know, this house, you know, we're the closest to our Sarah church, and the only reason we got this house was, was because of that, you know, we, they didn't really look at the schools or anything, but it was because of know. that. So I've always, you know, grown up in the church, and I was blessed to really, I, I guess, be, you know, blessed with really amazing friends, amazing Jaredans and JGs that have always walked with me, and... And so I think slowly in that I developed this deep love for my community. But at the same time, I think there are, you know, in a young mind, you, a lot of things that I guess maybe you just subconsciously think, oh, you know, this is Indian community, Malayali community. There's a sense of, I think, like, homeness that you feel because everyone else looks like you. And I, yeah, and so that was always there as well. And so, yeah, that, I think that's not a little bit about me. But I think uh, this letter... Right, and so one time we were, you know, me, Josh, Abby, and Josh's little brother, Michael, we were hanging out, and we were, we were talking about, you know, the ceremony of our church in America, why do we need it, like, what's, the, you know, what's the purpose of it, and honestly, like, it, it was a tough question to answer, like, we, we couldn't put our finger on, you know, really, you know, what it is, you know, that, that made us, made this necessary. Was it just because there's a bunch of Indian people that came to America, and therefore, we need to accommodate for that and make it a cultural thing. Is that what it is? Or is there something more? And that really, like, struck my heart because I love my Sermal Bar Church. And, like, you know, I mean, you guys know I'm, a, I'm on the, the traditional side of Sermal Bar Catholicism, right? But, but still, I mean, I, it really, really talked down my heart. I'm like, you know, like, what is this? And I, you know, doing my Google and nothing coming up. And, you know, Kevin Utchin, uh, he's the first you know, Cyril Albright, Catholic, so American-born priest. Just, just by a month, okay? <laughs> just by a month. Raji Vajan and Kevin Etchen were both ordained in the same summer, but he was the first one. I uh, yeah. but you anyway. say it again? <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyways, anyways. Yeah, and so Kevin, I, I, I was really like, I was like, well, what, what's our purpose to be here? All these things. And Kevin Etchen actually... You were, you were texting him this. Yeah. Yes, yes, I was texting him. So Kevin Etchen at the time, he was in Chicago. I'm in California, you know, and... So first off, that, that's the other thing. Our diocese is so spread out, and so, like, all these different times and everything. But anyways, text him, and, you know, all these questions of me being troubled, and he sends me this letter, and he was like, yo, you know, this, you know, Malkite Greek Catholic, which is another Eastern Rite of the Catholic Church, Eastern Rite Church, Sui Juris Church of the Catholic Church, uh, he, this archbishop, actually addressed this actually, like, 50, 60 years ago. It was written in 1970, which is crazy because the issues that he addresses in this, in this letter is everything that, you know, like that we are facing today. 
in our church. And so that, I guess just to know that, that this was actually addressed, you know, 60 years ago was like, or 50 years ago was like, I think kind of comforting. And so, yeah, and then a little on Archbishop Joseph Tawil, right? So I think the only thing that I do know about him that I think is worth mentioning is that he was, uh, he was a bishop in, he was born in Damascus, Syria, and he was ordained a bishop, and he was primarily there. He was fluent in a lot of languages, but not English. Mm. And then he was appointed as the archbishop of the, uh, the Malachi Greek Catholic Eparchy of Newton. And he came to America, I think 1968, late 60s, and he came here and then learned English for the, his mission that was assigned to him, which I thought was amazing because, like, this letter was amazing. Like, he, the, his, his sheer skill of being able to grasp the language that quick and be able to minister and be a father to an eparchy like that in that time was crazy. And so, yeah, just a little bit about it. Because you, you said he came here in the late 60s, and this letter was given to his eparchy 1970. Yep. yep. It took him a couple of years. And the thing about why we want to share this letter is because, I mean, so, so Siraj, you know, we're going to go into the letter, but he, he read it, and then he gave it to Abi and I, and we're reading this, and it's like, oh, my gosh. He's hitting on so many things that we're going through. So this letter, in a way, was almost prophetic for, for, our, di- for, our, for our eparchy. And I think applicable to all the Eastern churches that are, that are to come and that are here. Hmm. Right? But yeah, yeah. And so I think maybe we can get started. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think we're going to read the whole yeah. letter down, but we can just share kind of the, the main points. Yeah, we'll post it in the descriptions. For yeah, sure. yeah, that's a good idea, for sure. Ooh, okay, man, that's, I really, oh, I want to go through the whole thing, but... Okay. We can start from the top, go down. I think for, for me, like, what stood out, I mean, obviously so many good points, but I think the biggest thing that stood out to me is just, just simply that question of, like, why are we even here? Like, why, why do we need to be here? Because I mentioned this in a previous co- podcast with Raji Bachchan when... Like, I've had people ask me, and I've thought the same thing, of mm-hmm. wouldn't it just be a lot more effective from, a, from even, like, a, not a convenience perspective, but, a, like, a faith perspective, wouldn't it be a lot more convenient to just assimilate mm-hmm. with the Latin church here? You know, we can have Indian communities, like they had the German churches and, you know, Italian churches and stuff, but why don't we just assimilate with the Latin church? Because there's so much, you know, material out there, richness, resources, and we, we can, you know, assimilate with... The, the culture here too, which would be really good for our youth and all of these things, this seems like the perfect thing to do, to just assimilate with the Latin church here. So like both for Cyril Malabar and all the other Eastern churches that are here, like the Melkite church of, for, for Bishop, like why do we need Eastern Catholicism in America? For us specifically, Cyril Malabar. And that question itself, like Sir just said, like I'd look this up everywhere. You know, I'd, I'd, when I was in seminary, I'd ask people this thinking about seminary when people would ask me why Sir Malabar, nothing, right? But then, yeah, this that letter, Siraj sent this to us, and I was like, he's, that's literally what this letter is about. He's asking that question and kind of fleshing it out of why do we need Sir Malabar in the West? Or Eastern Catholicism, but like I said, in our case. Yeah, and I think the important thing is that this letter isn't, you know, adjusting everything, right? Mm-hmm. There are a few things that are very similar to us, and it's comforting to know that. And so, yeah, I think it's important to stress it's not like a one, one thing, one, one answer. One-to-one one ratio. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're right. Exactly. You're right. That's true. 
But I, I think, yeah. And so maybe we can just start start off with that, right? I'll just, you know, go ahead and read off, you know, one of the lines right here. The church cannot be identified. It's stressed with any one culture, nation, or form of civilization without contradicting that universality, which is of the essence of the gospel. And he goes on to talk about, you know, the word Catholic itself means universal, right? And so, yeah, and I think, he, you know, he points out that, you know, Latin Catholicism was the one superior right for the longest time seen as that end, but that actually contradicts everything that the Catholic Church is. It makes no sense. And so, I mean, I mean like, I think that was really, you know, awesome to see that, you know, being able to, you know, coming here and knowing that who I am matters, right? I mean, just, once again, it's not an exact answer to, you know, the question that, we, you know, we're asking, but at the same time that there's still, you know, bits and pieces of some sort of comfort there. Yeah, I mean, part, part of it is like something I've been really finding a lot of comfort in is understanding that we are a unique part of the whole, right? And I think it's especially interesting to connect what we're talking about in this letter to what's going on right now, right? Like, if we're going to be honest, like Catholicism is being attacked in a lot of different ways. And part of yes. that conversation is that, like Christianity was enforced onto so many mm -hmm. peoples, right? But we talked about this in, in that other podcast, how, yeah. like, how like that's not the case. You, lo you look at, like, Peter was not the only apostle around, right? Like, there, there were other apostles going to other parts of, of the world and, you know, sowing the, the seeds of the gospel there and allowing other liturgies to be formed, other churches to be formed, right? And we're, we're one of those. Yeah. Yeah, I think really emphasizing that this wasn't, like, especially our faith, Malachi faith, and all of these things, these were formed by themselves in freedom. Because, uh, like, yeah, like you said, we talked about this in the earlier episode, but oftentimes the image of Catholicism, especially for non-Catholics, is colonialism. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of things that are associated with each other, and that throws people off, understandably. So I think the the beauty and importance that, no, without any force, without this colonial presence, and without any sort of motivation to assimilate into the Western culture that we may have right now, our forefathers decided that Christianity was the way to go. And I think like that, that's something that was the one thing that really did convince me to stay. It was like, there was something there that they had no reason culturally to become Christian, right? Because, you know, according to tradition, most of them were probably either like Brahmins, the Jews there, or whatever, like all these different groups that socially speaking, it, it was actually a negative thing to become a Christian. Because it, it probably, I mean, again, I don't know the complete history behind it, but I'm sure there was like social backlash to it. Especially, I mean, like the Brahmins that converted and stuff. This is high class society, and they're converting to Christianity, which like either people didn't know much about, or I'm sure didn't have the social status, right? Especially in the early church. It's like, why? There's no need to assimilate with the culture. The culture was something different. It was predominantly Hinduism. Mm -hmm. So that like thought for me was really what kind of like, I mean, still something that kind of keeps me going is like, why is it that my ancestors chose this faith in this particular way, even when people came, like the Portuguese and stuff? Why was it that this was so important to them? Yeah, yeah. so I mean, going off that, we have something in our heritage, you know, to, to bring to the table. But a lot of times the perspective that we have is more, how can we become mm. like them? How can we assimilate? Yeah. Um, 
but we don't think from the other perspective that actually we have something that's really valuable to bring. If we're looking at, you know, is this like a, a pie or something? The pie is not complete. Yes, a good portion of the pie is here yeah. uh, in, in the West, in America, but there is a significant portion. Maybe it's small, but it's, it's important. Yeah. Uh, it might be even a little tasty, a little, a little different in, in the way it tastes, <laughs> but uh, it's important, it's significant. And um, I think in this letter, um, the Archbishop is just trying to offer that perspective of, look, you, you have something uh, to give. Uh, there's this specific line which I really love. He said, in a very real sense, the Western church needs a vibrant Eastern church. It's not just like, please come. Okay, you guys can can be around and, right, and, right. and do your thing. No, no, no. We need you to be vibrant. Mm-hmm. We need your very much presence. And he goes on to add, because it complements the understanding of the Christian message. Yeah. So there is real difficulty, and we can see that right now. The, the message of Catholicism is not being received, especially where we are sitting in, in, in Los Angeles, right? Yeah. It's not being received well. And so, you know, the church can use some complementary messages that might come, um, especially from our own church or from the Eastern rites, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Especially, like, it, this is, it's interesting to think about how our, our culture has a great respect for the minority, Mm-hmm. And they really, in, yeah. in a very good way, they wish to raise up the minority. So why not jump on that train? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like no, sir, that's a good point. Like, like there, there is, yeah, because it's it's always about like, oh, who's the biggest, you know, dog in the park, and let's take them down, yeah. right? Yeah, that, that, it seems like that's what the logic is. Sure. And us, like, and then this is this is why, you know, Archbishop Tao is like literally pleading to his people, and I think in a way pleading to us, like, you, we need to stand up and. Because our, our Western brothers and sisters, like they're, they're, it's really them that's under attack, you know, um, in a lot of ways. And we need mm. to like be vibrant in, in who we are to show that like how the culture perceives Catholicism is not what it is, right? Yeah. We are the universal church. We are not just the Western church. Yeah, that's a, that's a super good point. The backing up in a sense. Yeah. Even like this, this, there's this line right here. Like, honestly, I'll, I'll just read it out real quick. Mm-hmm. Is it's often easier to get lost in the crowd than to affirm one's own personality. It takes more courage, character, and inner strength to lead our traditions to bear fruit than it takes to simply give them up. The obsession to be like everyone else pursues us to the innermost depths of our hearts. We recognize that our greatest temptation is always to slip into anonymity rather than to assume our responsibility within the church. And that line, like I was just reading that right now, and... Like, we just did the episode for RIM, like, identity. And you think about that, like, on an individual level, like, relationship, identity, and mission. But this, I was reading this, and I was like, that applies to us as a right, too. Hmm. That applies to us as the, the Eastern Church. We have to find, like, what our relationship with God is in the church, what our identity is, and what our mission is, especially here in, yeah. this, in this context. And, like, as the letter goes through, we have all of those things. I mean, I, I think that's kind of starts to answer that question of why do we need it here? Yeah, and I think, you know, just coming back to what you were saying, because one of the also another line here in the letter that he says is, we must know that we have something to give. Otherwise, we have no reason to be. Yeah. Right? I, I think, first off, that's awesome because sometimes, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, like sometimes, you know, it feels like we're being Cyril Malabar for the sake of being Cyril Malabar. Oh, you know, we're... 
You know, like even right, and I think yeah, recently like that whole emphasis on oh, it's pronounced it's kurbana for the ceremony of our liturgy and not mass, and to the point where it's like we're putting down the Latin liturgy, like oh, we're superior, right? I mean, not that mm -hmm. that's the reality, but yeah. it comes out like that. Yet, what is it that we bring to the table, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think. Him pointing out that if you don't know, then there's no reason to be. And so I think the question that I want to pose to all of us is, what is that reason that we have to? Maybe we may not have an answer, but I think it's worth discussing. Like, what, what, what reason do we have to be? What do we have to give to the Western society, Western world, and our Eastern faith? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think it's, it's interesting because um, I've been thinking about how part, part of the answer is understanding that, that we are the, uh, I think I said this before earlier, but like we are the unique part of the whole. Right. So and there's two ends of the spectrum where like one end of the spectrum is like you totally lose your sense of uniqueness and then you fall into like, you know, kind of just dissipating and just, you know, like not caring for your tradition or whatever. Right. So that's one end. The other end is caring too much uh, to the point where perhaps like you've separated yourself from the whole. Right. Yes. Focusing too much on being mm -hmm. zero and not enough on the fact that you're part of a greater Catholic church. Right. Um, or like like the, like the greater Catholic Church, right? So I think part part of the answer is like really like concretely understanding our place, right? Like we are a unique expression of God's salvific message to the world, right? Right now, especially in Western culture, people are only exposed to to one um, expression of that, and that that's the Western Church, right? Majority, yeah. Ma majority, yeah. But I think what we bring to the table is like there's another way that you can live this out. Yeah. There's another way that mm -hmm. you can express this. And, and, and in a beautiful way, might I add, right? Yeah. Like exposing, like uh, we, we, we mentioned this in, the, in our other podcast with Raji Bacha, but like it's been incredible. Like when, when we were in seminary to, to expose non-Syro Kerala people to the Kurbana. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people don't even realize what the Eastern Church is, and even if they do, they think it's only like the Byzantine Church, you yeah. know? Yeah. And and I just want to be like I'm I'm, I'm right here, you know? <laughs> I'm not Byzantine, <laughs> and I'm still Eastern. Uh, and we we need to, and th that's what I think, man. Like so, right right now, I'm doing my master's degree in theology, and there's this question that's coming up, you know? Uh, like as, as I continue to study, um, that. Like we, we need to seriously uncover the and promote the Eastern Church's role in the new evangelization, because I think that's a that's a huge part of you know uh, evangelizing to a plural a pluralistic world, right? A, a pluralistic world, yeah. That that is not just like one expression of the salvific message of the Catholic Church that you can experience. That there are literally like twenty three different ways that you could do it uh, if you wanted. Right. So, I mean, um, to, to your question and, and what Josh is saying is, I think we just need to try to do something, essentially, talk about ourselves. Um, I was kind of getting just a, uh, an image uh, or going back to an experience of a seminary classroom, as, as Josh was mentioning, seminary, particularly when I was in Italy. Um, so there was a lot of uh, hesitation um, in my own being to not want to speak, because obviously the the language of the class is in Italian, right? And you know, and we've all been in this situation and we're in a classroom where we feel like we can say something, but I'm like, ah, do I really want to say anything? I mean, this class will go on even if I don't say anything. There might be like that 
one smart person or a few people that talk mm. and and the classroom will mm. just go yeah you know? yeah yeah, yeah. that we'll, we'll get we'll get through even they, the they carry the team yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get through the yeah. you know the course or, or even that lesson even if we don't say anything but then you're like i probably should say something who cares like what is it what does it really matter if i say it yeah. but you're feeling stirred in your in your heart to say it. and then um i remember just it was one of those moments where i'm like uh how do i phrase this sentence do i really want to say it yeah. and and then, of course, the professor asks, uh, does the Cyril Mullabar seminarians, do they want to say anything? Because I think they might have something uh, to contribute to this conversation. And then we're like, oh, man, I didn't say anything. Luckily, Kevin Hutchin was there and he said something. But, <laughs> <laughs> but still, like that, I still remember that very well. And I think it's symbolic in a certain sense of um, the reality yeah. of the church. Uh, we might feel like, uh, the, the church will continue, right? right. Um, even if we look at the issues that we have in our society right now, we have you know very strong archdiocese, Latin diocese, uh, very good priests, lay faithful who are going to uh, be the voice of the Catholic Church. It can go on uh, in that way, but we do have something valuable uh, to say. What it is, I don't know. Maybe it's just sharing the struggle. Maybe it is just. Um, you know, little things of appreciation of of how we are strengthened in, you know, in trying to be Sir Malabar. So, um, yeah, I just put that out there because, you know, it doesn't have to be big, but just like literally just having the courage to just open our mouths and, and say uh, something, you know, to give this image of uh, that there is another perspective besides Roman Catholicism. Yeah, yeah I think, yeah, that definitely I think means a lot because yeah, oftentimes we feel like insecure. I mean, maybe like you know, like man, I I don't know the answers. Like you know, what we you know, what am I gonna do, right? So yeah, I, I think that's awesome. But I think another thing also to realize is that we all we all oftentimes over overlook what we do have, right? Mm -hmm. And the first thing we have is the Holy Qurbana, mm -hmm. which you know, like I mean, you like we will overlook it. But I mean, even you, like you know, kind of, we you went over a beautiful liturgy. But we we're like you know, we didn't get into it, right? But the thing is, it's important that we get into it. Yeah. And and what and I think it is, is it's a different expression of faith, totally different. And like the, the crazy thing is like me, I, I go to Kurbana and I just you know stand there like uh, you know I do see this every Sunday, and it's Malayalam too, like whatever type thing. And then yet there are times during quarantine where you know like it's extremely limited capacity, yeah. like these women that are not of Indian descent, you know, not and non and men as well. That come and attend this liturgy that isn't even in English, right? I mean, and, at your church, yes, okay, yes, yes. Oh, wow. And the thing is, at that time, there are other Latin churches that are also open, right? And so, I, I think that gives sense. They came consistently, and I, I think I heard this from your brother. They came, I think, like two, three weeks in a row, and I, yeah. that was like, that's crazy. Like, dang, so there's something that you know, these people of this Western world are taking away from this, mm -hmm. and yeah, and then, like, I mean. And the small things like the congregation's, uh, you know, participation in the, you know, divine liturgy and, and the Holy Qurbana, I think that that's very different from what it, how it is in the Latin, right? I mean, I think, and then the, they're like, you know, it's just so, there's so many very descriptive words in it. Like, I think the thing that comes to my mind, I think my favorite part of the Qurbana is, you know, thousands upon thousands of angels gather around. You know, that's the second Gahanta, in the second Gahanta, right before we get into the Eucharistic prayers, and like that—that's the image right there. And like I overlooked that for the longest time. I didn't even think about that until once again his brother. You know, he's like, "Yo, this is so cool." You know, like 
you know, what these thousands of angels thing. And I was ever since that, every time we get into that, it's just this image of, you know, literally all the thousands of thousands of angel there, angels there with me, you know, all these saints there with me. Because that, it is, that is what is happening during Holy Gurbana, right? And, you know, and when you pay attention to those specific words, it's like, man, this is a totally different experience. And I think the same goes to say in the Latin, right? I mean, if you pay attention to the words, it's a very different experience than when you just go and receive. But, but yeah. I mean, like, to that point, right? You, like, the last thing on, yeah, you go to Latin, right? Same. That's how I used to think was, like, because that, that was my biggest problem. Like, even when we were in Tahoe having this argument, like you were mentioning yeah. before us, and I kept pushing back against this idea of, okay, the Surah Malabar, when I kept asking that question of, like, why Surah Malabar, you guys would bring up the liturgy and say, like, again, good point, right? But you guys would say, like, you know, these prayers are so beautiful and all these things. And quite honestly, I'd say, what was my response, right? Like, I don't feel that with the Surah Malabar Kurbana. Mm. Just very honestly, I felt that with the Latin Mass. I understand these prayers and I'm able to experience something heavenly. I wasn't able to with Surah Malabar Kurbana, right? And so there, there are like two, two things from that is, number one, what do you understand from that? It's not that one liturgy is better than the other. No, no, no. They are, they are all equal. Right. And, it, and it's not... And there are certain aspects of concentration on beauty, but it's not even sure. the more beautiful right. thing, right? right. And like, because I, I think sometimes that's definitely promoted of like Eastern more beautiful than Latin. And again, certain aspects, yes, the concentration on the arts and icons and things, of course. But I feel like there's a little bit of error in saying more beautiful because mm -hmm. all rights, the church, the universal church is true, good, and beautiful, right? We have, so to say those sort of levels to it kind of corrupts it. And that's where my thinking was. Mm -hmm. And the second thing was actually maybe at different points in my life, the liturgy experience was different. So for example, the past couple weeks having Raju Bachchan here, he's my new assistant pastor. Like I've been able to alter serve in, in the private Kurbanas with you. And that's been a completely different experience for me. Mm. Like it's not that I wasn't paying attention necessarily to the prayers before or not trying to really actively participate. But there was something different being there. I mean, maybe it was the fact that I was like so close to the altar, nobody else was there, so I didn't have focus on anything else. I don't know what it was, but I was really able to hone in on what these prayers were saying and like bring it into the like context of the world around me. Mm. I, I think that was the that's something I actually haven't been able to. I mean, now I appreciate the Latin Mass for this aspect more after seeing it in the Kurbana. What that aspect is, is I was, especially this one prayer, um, I don't know where exactly it is, but it's open the Lord's, the gates of justice for us. And then you go into the compassion of the mm -hmm. Lord, the, that whole, that, like I was, I was so emotional at that point because we see everything going around. We see injustice on all sides. We see all the chaos in the world and we see like all these things and we feel it. And that's what we're coming to mass and Kurbana with. And I going back to like the mass. I remember in Bishop Barron's like series on the mass, he he really stressed that one, the part of bringing up the gifts, how we're offering all our pains and sufferings, mm -hmm. and that's we're we're literally offering the entire cosmos to God, and He takes it, and but doesn't keep it to Himself. He converts it into His very body and gives it right back to us, everything that that we give, and 
I didn't really fully appreciate that until this part in the Qurbana, like the open, O Lord, the gates of justice for us. Open, O Lord, the gates of justice for us. Beautiful. But, man, because it, it, it really brought me into the context of the world and what the Qurbana was doing. Mm-hmm. That, like, Christ was really sacrificing in that moment which therefore forever opened up the gates of justice mm. and like because that that's what the whole gospel message is right this liberation mm. not you know not, not necessarily in the complete political sense but it th- there is that core aspect of christ is liberating us from our suffering but not in the way that we perceive it mm. and and i think like that line in the kurbana in the context of where it's occurring really stood out to me at that point. Something that hadn't stood out to me before. Like, we're, like this isn't just pausing what's going on yeah. with your life. This isn't like you're taking out some time you know, to kind of be at peace. I mean, of course that ha- should happen at least, but it's your, this is a part of your life. This is a part of your daily activities. This is a part of like, the life you're trying to live out is in union with the church offering the sacrifice for everything around. And I wasn't able to like understand that fully until recently. So I was just thinking about like, man, this one aspect has helped me. This one tiny line has helped me fall in love with the Gurbana and the Surah Malbar, right? So how many people probably witness one or two prayers in the Qurbana or any of the Eastern rites or the mass and are like, this is like something that stands out to my faith and gets me closer to Christ. And if that's the case, then like, wh- why wouldn't we promote this? Like, what if there's somebody else out there exactly like me? And, and there are, right? Like that just one prayer speaks to them in who God is and what he's doing for us. And like this whole idea of like Christ died, would have died for one person. Mm-hmm. I, I think we should probably bring that into our own attitudes, right? Because even we speak about like the pie thing, and that's a great image to help us understand. The only downfall is it, it makes it seem like numbers, mm-hmm. right? That's, I mean, all analogies, that's where they fall short, right? It's like, maybe we shouldn't think about it. Not that all of us are, but we shouldn't think about it from the aspect of like backing up the Latin church and Mm. bring in more numbers. Like they'll bring in the bulk, we'll bring in a couple. (laughs) Like Mm. this is not numbers, but what is effective, what, what speaks to some people may not speak to others and vice versa. So our role is to speak our voice so that people that adhere to that can really like experience God in that way. And you know, how, how to go about that is I think exactly the things you were talking about, right? Just being vulnerable, speaking up in like the class. Speaking up. <laughs> um, inviting uh, people is key. Yeah. Um, it doesn't need to be a huge group, but maybe when you invite that uh, one person who's never experienced thermal liturgy, um, it allows you to maybe focus. You probably not might be someone who takes the book, mm. um, but now if someone's standing next to you, you got to show them uh, at least uh, you know how to navigate the book, and, mm-hmm. and then something might stand out to you. Um, I think it's key because going back to the letter, um, you know, the archbishop is uh, kind of in inviting that we just be open to this perspective, but he's also at the same time giving a warning, and he's got the title of a danger to this mission the ghetto mentality, Boom. right? Yeah. And at first, uh, when I saw that title, I'm like, what are we going to talk about with the ghetto, right? <laughs> uh, but um, essentially, if 
if we are all about assimilating and we're um, just kind of making our churches more of this ghetto in the sense of like kind of closed in on itself, then we will uh, disappear. You know, we're not going to be able to do a, a proper, um, you know, like witnessing of, of our church. Uh, and it reminds me of a, a story, again, when I was in seminary, um, I brought the, well, Kevin Etchen and I were Those things that she became more strengthened than who she was as mm-hmm. a unique Sir Malabar Catholic, right? And I, I, I bring this up because I feel like uh, for most of our, you know, up, upper generation Sir Malabar Catholics, they don't have any exposure to the Roman Church, mm-hmm. right? Even in Kerala, it's all it's all the same, right? You know, like like yeah. I, I feel like they're, they're, the difference there. I mean, you you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it's the difference isn't really stressed in Kerala. No, no, yeah. And therefore, like, they're coming here, they don't really see a need to, like, you know, like, it's, it's okay for them to just be the, the ghetto community. Right, because the, the average Catholic, especially within our community, is probably not thinking about, oh, this liturgy, this liturgical prayer is, right. you know. And right, and I, I feel like, like, we have to, we ourselves have to be uh, educated, and we ourselves have to understand that we yeah. are a unique part of the whole. You know, just working with couples um, for marriage preparation, uh, it's very interesting, especially uh, working with those couples that are getting married at being born in, in Kerala, uh, because when you have to write down your religion, oftentimes uh, you either write RC or LC. Mm. So RC in Kerala is associated generally as Sir Malabar Catholic. So RC stands for Roman Catholic, and then uh, LC is Latin Catholic, right? So even in, in Kerala, uh, sort of the idea of being Sir Mullenberg Catholic is Roman Catholic. Huh. It doesn't quite make sense, but that's just the way mm. it's kind of uh, kind of put there, um, you know. And then uh, and then LC is yeah Latin Catholic. And then even another thing we've been trying to emphasize this identification of Kurbana and Mass. But the reality is a lot of times Mass is English, Kurbana is Malayalam. Yeah. So uh, even um, you know Roman Catholic Malayalis use the word Kurbana. Uh, to identify their liturgy. Yeah. Um, so these are just some. This is just a reality in terms of what uh, how Catholicism looks like at times in, in Kerala, and so yeah. uh, we're doing something a little different uh, for a valid purpose, right? Right. And I yeah. think I think that's what I was trying to get at. It, it like I can only understand who I am by being with people who are different from me, right? Mm-hmm. Like my Suramalabarness really comes out when. I encounter the, the Roman church. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the benefit that we have is like, you know, yeah, I was reflecting on this a while back was that like, 
like I get a taste of both both of them, right? I mean, I, you know, truth be told, I mean, I you know on Sundays and maybe a few weekdays here and there, I, you know, I go to my sermon of our church, and then on the weekdays, you know, the, the, you know because of flexibility of mass times and kurbana mm. times, things mm. like that, mm. and also because we didn't have daily kurbana offered at our parish. That's right, yeah. I suppose. No, but I, I, do the, I do the same. Thing. Right, but yeah. the thing is, I, I get to go to these, you know, I, the Latin churches and really experience something totally different, and then also, you know, like. You know, come come back and receive something different as well from my home parish, right? Breathing, using both the lungs of the church, and I think that it's a very uh, it's a awesome experience of experiencing Christ in that way. I, I there's this there's this image uh, that's that I've been playing around with, um, how like uh, you can imagine all the different all 23 different churches um, of the Catholic Church as different notes to one chord. Mm. It's one chord, right? And in, in, in being one chord, it's beautiful, right? But it has all these individual parts to it, mm. right? And I feel like maybe to elaborate on that image, you know, we can really hear the, the Roman chord. You know, like that one's, that note is, uh, is being played a lot more loudly, perhaps, than other, the other chords. And it's, it's time for us to, to increase the volume on, on our note, at least. Ooh, yeah. That actually made so much sense. When you started, I was like, oh, it's getting a little too deep. This is gonna, <laughs> but then it made sense, bro. I mean, there's, a, uh, there's, there's this phrase, you know, truth is symphonic, right? There's not one, uh, how do you say it? There's not one avenue, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's, not one, there's not one expression of it, multiple expressions right. of, of, of the same mysteries. Yeah, there's one more thing about um, this letter, and he speaks about communion, you know, um, especially the, the relation that we need to have mm. in bringing back the Orthodox Church. And mm, yes. this is where that chord that you're speaking about, when the Eastern chord is becoming stronger and stronger, um, there is a lot more possibility for uh, these relations to you know, really be substantial and, and the possibility of communion. Um, just a quick example from, again, my priesthood, I um, had a chance to walk with... Uh, a girl who, uh, you know, essentially born Syrian Orthodox, but wanted to get married uh, to a, a Syrian Malabar Catholic, but really desired that the liturgy be similar to what she had experienced, particularly the marriage liturgy. And so we explored basically an option where the wedding uh, was done in the Malankara, right? Oh. And for her, she was at home with that because wow. it's very wow. similar to yeah. what she grew up with. And I remember just being present at this wedding liturgy. I was like, wow, like um, she feels very much at home because there was this, you know, Catholic rite, mm-hmm. our, our brothers and sisters, the Siromolankara Catholics, right? That, that rite was something very, uh, you know, homely for her. Um, so that is something too that we bring to this conversation. Uh, being who we are, uh, there is a greater chance of more communion with the Orthodox Church. Yeah, unity. Unity, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even Kerala itself, right, there's like, I think like, you know, besides the ceremonial of Arwanka, I think like two, three apostolic, I think two, right, two apostolic Mm -hmm. churches. And it's just like, I mean, it's so sad, like, it's just sad to see, like, you know, how how yet, you know, we were all one, we were all one community at one point, Mm -hmm. and yet now we are all in different paths. Yeah. And sad to see. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think the point that he was making was that, that you know, being Catholic and Latin is not synonymous. Mm-hmm. That that was the point, right? And yeah. to see and to see that 
you know, be you know, union means of the separated churches means ecclesiastical assimilation. Mm-hmm. If I'm pronouncing that right. Ecclesiastical. Ecclesiastical yeah. assimilation, but not you know, not, not the liturgy that is sacred. And so I think that's super important. Yeah, you know, even just one more thing um, is that we have a pretty unique experience here in America um, of being of Malayali heritage, of being Sermolobi Catholic. Because also we get very close to all these people of different churches because of the Malayali mm-hmm. you know, heritage, yeah. but Jacobite, Martoma. Um, and so I think that can also be part of us being very strengthened in our identity because we have a very you know, real possibility of being close to all these different you know, denominations mm-hmm. uh, of Christianity. Yeah. Um, that we can bring in such a profound way to the conversation about Catholicism with all this experience, you know? Yeah, our basketball tournaments and, you know, <laughs> Sunday, uh, or sorry, uh, Christmas ecumenical programs, we might be like, oh, whatever. But it's actually a very cool yeah, and unique experience, you know? I think even so. with, like, so on the, the note of, like, unity yeah. when it comes to, like, um, you know, the Orthodox and all of these things, that's definitely something like super present there that we need to kind of work towards. Sure. I think even before that, even within the church, the like we have so much opportunity to connect with the other churches here that I feel like we don't take advantage of. Yeah. That yeah. like the the idea is individuals, Josh, I and Sarah, we we and and you too like grew up going to Latin and Cerro Malabar and that formation from both. But the churches themselves weren't you know, uh, hand-in-hand formation for the communities. Like, what if, you know, Santana and L.A. LA Church of SoCal, Cyril Malabar, kind of <laughs> collabed. Josh says collab, collab. I think but, it sounds cooler. That's, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> but, like, you know, the, a, a collaborated effort for evangelization within the churches of the same regions. Yeah, yeah. Especially, like, our diocese, we don't have, you know, our our actual... You know, sister, not sister parishes, but our parishes within the diocese close to us, right? Because we're we're all so spread apart across the country. Like, parishes are meant to be a part of a diocese, not to be part of like just themselves mm-hmm. in, the, in their own isolated bubble. And we have so many things that are already sort of uh, are already sort of pushing for that bubble mm-hmm. within ourselves. Like, why are we adding another layer to it? You know what I mean? Like within the ethnic. Identity. There's that temptation to keep it malu. There's there's that temptation to kind of keep it as hey, every Sunday this is the one time we get off work. Let's just hang out with our family friends. Mm-hmm. And so there's all these temptations. And I can speak for our own, our own parish. Like we had almost no connection with the diocese. Like it, besides the formal connection, like the West, I feel like has been sort of not not as much connection since we're so far from places like Chicago, mm-hmm. New York, and Texas, and all these things that are sort of like hubs for Cerro Malabar, <laughs> right? Like that c- caused a lacking in our formation because our parish was just our parish. Hmm. So, right, so the, the ad- adults and I think mainly the youth lacked an experience of that universality, lacked an experience to where not just at an individual level, like I may have went to a Latin church and Cerro Malabar church and you, whatever, but as a community, we're both, you know, receiving and giving mm-hmm. to the to the other churches, the Latin church, whatever, whatever Eastern churches are around, and seeing like how can we move together 
and promote that idea of universality rather than taking the much harder step of being like, let's grow Cyril Malabar as much as possible and then we'll give to the Latin church. Yeah, yeah, that's... You know, that's like, let's make, point. let's figure this all out and then let's start evangelizing to the Latin church. That's right, that's be a unified right. uh, approach to things. I mean, sometimes I, I listen to another podcast, um, Catholic Stuff You Should Know, and the one of the guys was talking about, um, they're, all, they're all priests, uh, one of the priests was talking about how, like, you know, the unity of the Trinity has to be shown. You know, how, like, not only is it reflected, like, onto each person and that we're made in the image of God, not only is it shown and reflected in the family and that there's supposed to be a unity in each family, but it also has to be reflected in, you know, literally the unity of our churches too, Yeah. right? Because if someone were to look from the outside in on the Catholic Church as a whole, they would see a fragmented, you know, Yeah, hmm. and that's embarrassing. It, it, it's wrong and it's embarrassing. Just at a very practical level, the fact that most of the churches don't know that Cyril Malabar exists Right. Yeah, but but I think one thing that I do want to add is like I think for majority w- what we're saying is true, but at the same time, our, our founding father of our parish, Father Jacob Katagil, or no, Father Doctor Doctor Jacob Katagil, he was a man that really did evangelize. Yeah. I think he's the only ceremonial priest. I mean, no, he, no, he is still evangelizing. Exactly right, <laughs> but and the, the crazy thing is, I think. You know, baptized numerous people uh, of the of our you know our parish. The people just look locally around. You know, just actually really going on walks and speaking with these people, and them cho- choosing to be baptized by him and rece- received into the Catholic Church. Like that, those are amazing things. But I think like the craziest thing is right. Um, so two houses that you know next to our parish. Uh, there's just you know one house. I, I guess you know I, I don't I don't know you know the people that live there, but you know, uh, you know, Katagilachin left, and then you know, five, ten years passed, and then you know, we find out, oh, you know, this whatever, you know, whoever woman, not no one else knows who lived at this house. This woman here, you know, passed away, and in her will, she wrote that that house go to the church, the Cyril Malabar Catholic Church. <laughs> you know, two day, two houses down, and that's insane to me. Why would this, you know, like random woman that no one from our church knows right now, right? That I'm sure no one but Katagilachin knew to somehow you know do that like i think right and so i think he it's important i think i just want to highlight right like how awesome that is that he did yeah. that but at the same time i've never seen that anywhere else yeah, yeah that's and that's true. that's the issue and it's also like not not to blame cardiglachin at all like mm-hmm. but it's sad to me that that was a, a sole effort from the priest in this i mean i'm sure there was other people like some like that that wasn't a move of the Cyril Malabar church or the move yeah. of santana parish and that <laughs> Is something it's that, true. That, that's something <laughs> yeah. that needs to change from from our part, me included, right? Exactly, of like, yeah. we we can't just again to to bring the whole thing. It can't be like let's let's figure this Cyril Malbar thing out. Let's be proud of our Cyril Malbar identity. Let's have all these events, this podcast, the Cyril Creatives, all of these things, um, to as as an effort to you know lift ourselves grow up. our own, uh, lift yeah. our, ourselves up, and also like others, like as in like other at Malabar an individual people. level, other Catholics or and other people that don't have faith, but as, as a community, in communion, how can we like actually evangelize? Does that make sense? Because I, I think we've talked a lot about like the individual side of promoting ourselves and really being proud of that, and those are important and good. Sure, but on like a parish level. Yeah, you know, parish how, level, how do on a diocesan level. How do, like this should be something that's encouraged, yeah. you know, to, to that as a, as a priest, you're, you're not just sent to us, you're sent to that region, hmm. right? I, I think 
like even even on the pre the priestly aspect is is a sort of symbol of how it's sent to everyone, right? Like we're mm-hmm. I feel like right now we're placed in a certain region. So my parish is placed in Milpitas and next to San Francisco for the peop for the Cerro Malbars that are there. Rather than we are putting a Catholic church here to evangelize the gospel yeah. wow. to Ooh, San Francisco. That's a change of perspective right there. Yeah. Right? Like I, I think that should be the attitude. The attitude shouldn't be we're placing this here for a community that's here. And that that's exactly what you know Archbishop Joseph Tao was saying in this ghetto mentality. Yeah. That we yeah. must we must not just feed ourselves and just stay locked up in our little circle, but be a gift to the community. Know what we bring to the American society, right? Yeah. And and even if we do know, we can't just keep feeding our American-born ceremonial bar people, right? But rather going out to the community and gifting ourselves to the community because we are a gift. That that is what he's affirming us in throughout this letter, and that's what Vatican II affirms us in. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, really living out to that call is, yeah. I think, what we should do. And I think that's what we're all saying. Yeah, because you can't, you can't just sit back and, like, criticize the culture if you're not trying to have an impact on it. You know, mm-hmm. I think... Because like, I've been recently reading this book called The American Catholic Almanac. And it's it's basically, like, 365 days each day. They have a different uh, particular story or person of uh, American Catholicism. Like, just, you know, through from the founding of the country onwards... Um, of like Catholics that had an influence on the culture of America, politics, uh, general culture, whatever, right? And just reading through each day, I'm like, wow, 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 wow. Like this, this politician or this bishop did this to influence the Constitution, or this bishop did this, or this priest did this, this layperson did this. And I see that I'm like, or, or this parish opened up. So, for example, like in Chicago, there was like this one parish, I think that was one of the first churches to open up um, that created a dedicated church parish for black Americans to attend mm-hmm. um, during the time of segregation. One of the first churches to do that, if not the first. Um, and that had like an a, amazing impact on Catholicism in Chicago. And, you know, for longest time, maybe until modern times, it was like a very hot spot of Catholicism, right? With, with a lot of immigrants, but especially, um, this black parish, that really stood out to me. So I was like, that was a conscious effort of the Chicago diocese to impact the culture and show that the, the value and dignity of black Americans and created a conscious effort to get them a place to worship. And that didn't just, that wasn't just about like, let's help out some of these uh, black Catholics that have asked us for a church. That's mm-hmm. not what it was about. Like this was a deliberate move by the Catholic Church to show something. And obviously there, there's not going to be that many deep occurrences of, of impact that we need to have. But that was just like a, a sign to me of like, even in the general sense of Catholicism, like we, we are called to be cultural critics, not, not in the sense of sitting back and complaining about everything, but like... Call we, to action. Call to action, impact, yeah. yeah. And so what is that in the, in the Cyril Malabar sense? Like, I, sure. I don't think, you know, if, we, if we're just staying like, let's grow in Cyril Malabar, let's grow in this. All of that is good. And let's, you know, promote it to other Catholics. Good. But what are we doing, like, for the culture? Like, how do we mm. actively move towards it as a community? Yeah, I mean, I think we sometimes we get lost in, in this, I mean, the struggle between uncles and aunties, right? I mean, the, oh, you guys are kids. And we're like, we're, I think we're like, you know, looking back on, on convention, I think convention was a beautiful thing, but the, the main point that w- that was discussed there was the struggle between the younger generation and the older generation and how 
younger generation is is not doesn't get a voice. That is a very important topic that needs to be discussed and addressed. But at the same time, right? I think we forget about what that we are ceremonial Catholics. That yeah. we are gifts to the community, as you were saying. Yeah. It's yeah. one more thing. Just uh, he mentions at the end how we should be grateful to mm. the Roman Catholic yeah. bishops who have helped us. Um, and so that's as you were speaking about this history and uh, this uh, moment in history for us too. If we eventually have a, a book about our own history, we have many uh, yeah. bishops to be grateful for who have, in a certain sense, been pushing us. Right. Have we taken yeah. that call to action? I don't know, but. Even look at They're our literally given us. Even look at our <laughs> look at our cathedral, right? Yeah. The cathedral was given essentially the the property and and the the church of, of that time for a dollar, yeah. essentially. I didn't realize like yeah. how symbolically beautiful that church. Oh my god! Yeah. Our, our context, diocese yeah, cathedral is. And it it doesn't just end with the cathedral. I yeah. mean, several of our parishes uh, throughout the country, um, you know, the bishop has uh, basically almost given. Uh, the church and the property to yeah. to us. Um, so what are we what are we doing? You know, uh, with mm -hmm. it. And that's just like yeah. the physical. Gesture, that's just the right? yeah. Like not not even considering all the others support. Mm -hmm. And 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 like the effect of not not just the hierarchy, but of people that were evangelized by the Latin Church before, mm -hmm. how they have formed us. So like even if you think of like Catholic speakers, like like I don't know, like Scott Hahn, right? He's formed by the Latin Church. But how many people has he formed within the Cyril Malabar Church? Like, how much have we learned from him? Jeff and James learned a lot. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It, even like our catechetical department, right? How much do we get from the different churches and all of these things? Because it was that that formation yeah, was like, there <laughs> in the American context. Like, yeah. I mean, for the longest time, we straight up just used uh, like Latin textbooks. Um, but fortunately, we have our own now. Working on <laughs> improvements. We have our awesome, you know, with the catechetical director, Father George Donovan, yeah. putting in the hours. I mean, it's, it's true, man. Like, I, I just think about like the, the the practical parts where it's like we just don't go out into our own communities. Yeah, you know, like I I I know there are so many Sri Malabar parishes in America that have not talked to their 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 neighbors. Yeah, and. Even something as simple as that, or something as simple as a service project in the, the general area, you know, because they'll ask like, "Who's doing this?" Mm -hmm. And that that will literally be our opportunity to say, "Cyril Malabar Catholics," you know, we're not just some Indian community. This is the Catholic Church going out uh, in, into the region. Yeah, right? we we did we like we had this one thing. I was telling you we do like the serving the homeless uh, yeah. at our mm -hmm. parish, and. We used to do that actually at a train station where like the homeless would gather typically. And so our church would go and we would serve there. Unfortunately, the county, like the county is like against health regulations. So now we actually use the hall of a local Latin church mm -hmm. um, to serve. And I was just thinking about that right now of like, there was actually a completely different image even from the serving at the train station to here. Obviously there's practical reasons we didn't choose that, but before it was that image, yeah, like St. Thomas Cyril Malabar Church is serving us and serving mm -hmm. the Fremont community, Fremont's the city I'm from. And like that was a huge thing. And we've had like people in our parish like actually get awards for it from the city. Wow. And Man. then I was thinking like we moved to the Latin church, again, practical reasons, but I don't think that same, I think people have the impression that this Latin church is doing. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You know, so I was just thinking about like continuing to do things like that, like whether it be social projects like that or just generally assimilating, inviting other churches to liturgies and things like that. 
I, it, it has an impact because I mean, I've seen it happen and it's we're called to it, right? So regardless of what fruits we see, that's what we're called to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think we, we you know. Really, I learned a lot. Yeah, I, I yeah. think I learned a lot too. We dissected Ooh. this this letter. That's um, right. And thanks to Archbishop Joseph Fowell. Yeah, yeah. And Abhi and I want to thank uh, Father Rajiv and Suraj uh, for, for your comments uh, and your witness. Do you yeah. guys have anything else to add? Yeah. yeah. Nothing? If anything, let's just have the courage to be ourselves, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. On that note then, praise be Jesus Christ. Now, always, always and, and forever. forever. Amen.